Check, check. Can you hear me? All right. Um, Y'all be turning to Ecclesiastes chapter 1. While y'all are turning there, um, who, who that's here this morning was here a couple of years back whenever I actually preached through the entire book of Ecclesiastes, just so that I know. Okay, so who was not? There's a hands up. Okay. All right. So um, a couple of years back, we kind of just dug into this book from beginning to end. We're not going to do that. This morning, um, this is a hard book. Like if you've ever if you've ever spent time in the book of Ecclesiastes, this is one of those books that that if if you don't go through it with an eye towards the gospel, then you will get to the end of this book and you will feel just absolutely and completely broken down, exhausted, and hopeless. And that's the point of the book. Like if you took Ecclesiastes and separated it from Scripture, and it was just your, your average ordinary book, you would not read it nor recommend it once because it can be one of those books that you're just like, this is crazy. Like This, this is a hopeless reality if, if what I read in this book is true. But when we couple it together with where it fits in Scripture as a whole and the hope that we have as believers, this book serves to break us down to prepare us for the hope that we have in the gospel. So um, this is one of those books for me that, that after the first time that I just kind of went through it, that, that I wanted to set it aside and be like, I got that one done. I'm never going to approach that one again because the way it makes me feel when I do. Because when I read this book, when I study the scripture that I find within Ecclesiastes, it's one of those that causes me, uh, forces me to reflect on the life that I'm living and evaluate it to see, am I living a vain and empty life? Like, are the purposes, are the plans that I'm setting forward for myself empty? Or do they find substance in something, right? As a follower of Christ, do they find substance in Christ Himself? That's kind of the, the thing that we're, um, we're going to try to address as we dig into this. So um, we're going to flip the service in reverse. We're going to do the Scripture. And then we're going to um, do uh, praise and worship afterwards. The children this morning are going to stay in here with us. Don't worry about them. I tend to not get super distracted. Um, once I get zoned in, it's it's you know it takes a lot. Like if my daughter were to be running around acting a heathen, that would distract me. But oh, that's just because I'll be fighting the urge to snatch her up. <laughs> All right. So hopefully everybody's at Ecclesiastes now. So kind of we've got the context for this in mind. Uh, before before we get. Too, too far into the Scripture. I want to ask a couple of questions. We are in 2018. Welcome to 2018. How many of you are like, where did 2017 go? Right? How many of you are like, where did 2016 go? Like, like I'm still writing 2016. Like, where... Okay, so this is something that, I, that and, and Kip, Kip and Bobby were kind of laughing at me. I'm like, I'm going to turn 36 this year. And they're like, just wait, man. Like, you... you, you you know nothing about this, but something that I, that I realize, and I hope that all of us realize, is how quickly this life passes by. Young ones in here, you will one day be my age, and it'll happen like 
that. It is absolutely insane. It seems like it's a snowball effect that just once it gets rolling, there's no stopping. And I, I, I laugh because there was a day when I was in college that I thought, I wish this would just speed on up. And it feels like looking back on it now that I, that I had that prayer answered and I'm like, pump the brakes, slow down, and it's, that's not happening. It just continues to pass us by. And, and some of that reality we'll see kind of as we, as we look at Ecclesiastes here. So as we do start this new year off, do we have any planners among us? Do we have any like New Year's resolution people? Who, who, who first, first. Uh, who's, who's like, I'm not doing a, a New Year's resolution because I'm not going to keep that New Year's resolution? Right? <laughs> so, so, so don't be lazy. <laughs> okay. Uh, who, who here makes New Year's resolutions? Who's, who's, all right. who, who is fearful that, that, that with me asking this question, that, that we may be going to examine where you've set your goals for this year, where you set your aspirations maybe for life? Like, like we are going to dive into that. We're going to kind of dig into those thoughts this morning. Like, like, like planning is not bad. We as, as individuals, we should set a goal for our lives prayerfully. Of course, Lord, lead me where I need to go, where you would have me put me in front of the people that you would have me to touch in this life. Right? But we should not be planning a life that would look like the opening chapters of Ecclesiastes. And that's why as we kind of approach this, as I approach every new year since the first time that I've looked at this, I spend time looking at the book of Ecclesiastes so that, so that because I do have that tendency to want to set my own plans, set my own goals, set my own you know, destination in life. And, and I find as I open the pages of this book that it does a good job of pointing out the vanity of the plans that I would set and, and, and helps me to kind of Set my set my plans, set my life, orient uh, my direction uh, towards the things that God would have. Because the reality is, is that if if God let me go the way that I was going before He stepped in, then vanity of vanities would be what you could speak over my life. And I'm sure uh, every every believer here, reflecting on the lives they once lived, hopefully we are making progress in this. But if you're not, uh, be comforted that God does not pierce the heart to kill us. He pierces the heart to give us life. So um, as with, with that in mind, hopefully everybody's there now in Ecclesiastes. We're going to read the first several verses and then examine uh, a couple of them. So Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 1. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. What does a man gain by all his toll at which he tolls under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south, goes around to the north, Around and around goes the wind, and on its circuits the wind returns. All the streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full. To the place where the streams flow, there, there they flow again. All things are full of weariness, a man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will, what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. 
Is there a thing of which it is said, see, this is new? It has already been in the ages before us. There is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of latter things, yet among those, uh, yet to be among those who come after. I, the preacher, have been king over Israel in Jerusalem, and I applied my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. I have seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and striving after the wind. So, a couple of things that I want to point out in this that we kind of examined in detail the first time that we went through this book is the context in which the writer of Ecclesiastes, Solomon, is setting all that he is saying. Anyone who was there, do you remember what that context is? When, when we say vanity of vanities, all is vanity or everything is vanity. What is the view that that covers? Everything we do where? Under the sun. Right? So all throughout this book, if you were to go and spend time in personal study throughout this book, keep in mind the opening verses of this where he says, What does a man gain by the toil at which he tolls under the sun? Right? And then in verse 14 where we ended uh, the scripture this morning, uh, I have seen everything that is done where? Under the sun. And behold, all is vanity and striving after the wind. Is it any, is it any, with that in mind, is it any wonder why in the New Testament we see statements like this? In, in Colossians chapter 3, we see the writer here say in chapter 3 verse 2, Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden in Christ. Or with Christ in God. So, so we get this view in the New Testament that our eyes should be fixed on something not under the sun, but beyond the sun. Right? There is a sun who was risen from the grave and it is in Him that we should fix our gaze. When we set our plans, when we think about this year, when we pray to God, what should you have me do? All of those things should not be fixed on things under the sun. Our focus should never start with those things. And get this, your job is good. Go work. Right? But if your job is done solely for the things that it can give you here under the sun, vanity of vanities for all the toll that you put in there. Right? Vanity of vanities. Yet, God has in His wisdom placed us here, given us the lives, given us the passions, the desires, the things that we enjoy to do, to set off in those things for His glory, His namesake, and not for the vanity and emptiness that they would serve without Him. But that's what we do. We desire the gifts and not the giver of those gifts. And when we, when we seek out the gifts without the giver, we find that the gifts are vain in and of themselves and empty in and of themselves. As, as, as I say the word vanity, do you all get what I mean by vanity? Do you get what the writer means here when he speaks of, of, of vanity? Okay, um, first, this is, not, like, this is not vanity in the sense of like half of our Facebook pages and half of our Instagram accounts where it's like selfies of us galore, right? We have this view of vanity where, man, you're so vain. 
right? You're so vain, you probably think this sermon is about you, right? Like that kind of, <laughs> right? Like we use vanity in that sense. But vanity in this sense is something that's, that's empty in and of itself, right? Something that's fleeting. It would be like you trying to, with your hands, gather up all the sand off the seashore only to find as you're leaving the seashore that all the sand has made, it, made its way through your fingertips. It would be a vain attempt. That's what we're talking about when we, when we see the writer here talking about vanity of vanities for everything under the sun. So the first thing that I want us to consider here and, and that I myself consider, there's kind of three main areas that I look at whenever I'm looking at, um, at Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and I'm trying to kind of reflect on my life and, and reflect on the, the plans and, and the paths that I want to kind of set out for myself each year. The first one we find in um, verse 3, which is toil. What is that? That's labor. That's, that's the work that we set our hands to in this world. So that's one area that we're going to consider. The second is the pleasures of this world. Like we tend to work so that we can have things that make us happy or that we think will make us happy, right? So we work and then we like pleasures. So we like to spend our time doing things that we enjoy, right? Um, we're going to kind of dig into that in verse 8 there. Um, and then the the other area is is this this notion or idea of popularity or fame, which we'll dig into in verse eleven. And 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 these three ideas, the 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 things that we set ourselves to, the work that we apply our lives to in this world, the pleasures that we seek after, um, and the uh, notoriety or fame or popularity that we seek to gain uh, throughout this life. Uh, those things will leave us wanting, leave us lacking, leave us uh, feeling empty ultimately at the end. Um, the thing that I want us to get, get about this is that the author of this book had means beyond each and every one of us. What do I mean by that? I mean that if we were to pool our collective fortunes together, it would pale in comparison to what the king, Solomon, had at his disposal. Right, So that when we look at the things that he says here, we can't say, yeah, 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 but if I can get to here, then he doesn't know what he's talking about, right? Like there is an amount of money that would make me happy. There is a particular job or a particular thing that I would like to do in this life that if I could do that, it would in fact make me happy. There was nothing that he could not expose himself to. And what we see as we dig through the entire book is that there's nothing in fact that he didn't expose himself to. And he comes to the conclusion for us. And this is why I believe this to be such an important book for us to kind of reflect on and, and reflect on periodically just so that we don't lose sight of the idea that, that because it tends to sneak in on us where we will tend to lean towards those things that, that felt comfortable to us before we came to Christ. We'll tend to lean towards those things that we thought would fulfill us before, uh, before we uh, came to a saving knowledge of Christ before he made himself known to us. And this is a dangerous thing that we, we need to address frequently. We need to reset our hearts and our minds uh, so, that we don't, uh, so that we don't forget that uh, if we do set our lives, set our lives on those things, that we will in the end find ourselves 
having all those things. There's a particular song that that um, that I enjoy listening to. Um, there's some verses. There's a particular verse in this this song, uh, which is probably the reason that I that I like it um, because it it does a good job of kind of summing up for me what I what I get when I. Dig into the book of Ecclesiastes. The uh, songwriter's name is Lecrae. The name of the song is Fear. I'll say that again. Listen to it um, uh, afterwards. It's a really good song. Um, so Lecrae is the, is the songwriter. Fear is the name of the song. This is a particular verse that to me really is, is striking as, as, a, as I listen to the song. And it really like cries out to me as a reminder, hey, hey, where are you at? What are you looking at? I'm going to do my best not to sing it to you. Um, it is a catchy song, so, so uh, I'll, I'll, I'll spare you of, of that. But here's the verse in particular um, in that song uh, that, that, that really stands out to me. He says this, um, Will I hear well done when he turns to me? Will I hear you care too much about all this stuff that really doesn't matter? You chased the wind and you won it. You got to the top of a two-foot ladder. Uh, whenever I consider that and whenever I think about what I see and what God tells me as I dig into the book of Ecclesiastes, that stands as a signpost, as a warning to me. Right? Like, am I chasing after the wind? Right in 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 life, in my goals, in my plans, in my in my career, in my job, am I going to find that all the labor, all the work that I put in to climb that ladder, I stand upon the top of it, and it's two foot tall, right? That is really nothing in the scheme of things, and that's the that's the warning that that we should take when we consider this, and and in verse three of Ecclesiastes. Chapter 1, the writer Solomon here uh, asks the question, What does a man gain by all the toll at which he tolls under the sun? And I'll ask you that. Some of you um, are retired or are approaching retirement. And and you may have amassed some great fortune, right? I want want you to reflect on and, and... and tell me, like, like, if you consider your career now that it's over, what value does it hold for you? All that you did and all that you attained and all that you chased after, when you stepped out the door, did they have to close up shop? <laughs> it was a poorly built company if they did. The reality is, is that our importance in those positions oftentimes are inflated. And it's when that's deflated for us, when we realize that maybe we weren't important, as important as we thought we were in that particular position, that the darkness floods into our souls and we feel empty for wasting our time. And you're not going to amen that. You're not going to amen that maybe I did waste a significant portion of my life chasing after things that now, what do I have to show for it? And to those of us who may be still in that 
place where we're trying to make a name for ourselves. We're trying to climb that ladder. We're trying to get that next raise or that next promotion. I want you to to take a moment to realize that the time you have in this life is fleeting. One of the reasons that that He opens with phrases like this, a generation goes and a generation comes, verse 4, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises, the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south and goes around to the north and around goes the wind and on its circuits the wind returns. All the streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full. To the place where the streams flow there, they flow again. He gives us these pictures of these things that are continuing. They were, they were continuing on before you and I were here and they will continue on long before us. To, to wrap our minds around the fact that we are less significant to this world than we oftentimes place ourselves as being. For you to realize, for you to realize now, especially if you were younger, that you may in fact be wasting your life on something that does not matter. That's why you likely feel heavy when I speak these kind of things. That's likely why you're like, that may be me. I may be toiling and chasing after the wind. You will not catch it. The world, in a real sense, doesn't need you. In a real sense, it doesn't need you. You step out of your job, someone else will step into your job. But there is another sense. A more significant sense of being. In which your placement in time and space carries the heaviest of significance. The most significant purpose for you to be here. Why you are in that job. Why you have those passions. Why He's placed you in the life that He's placed you in. And it's my hope That realizing that the other alternative is a waste of your time will be a lightning bolt to your soul that you will wake up. That you will wake up. There's something better worth living for. And you can toll your life. And again, I'm going to flip over to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 after so so here Paul after uh, digging through the hope of the resurrection the victory that we as followers of Christ have over death in the grave verse 55 oh death is swallowed up in victory oh death where is your victory oh death where is your sting he goes on in verse 58 to say therefore my brothers be steadfast immovable always abounding in the work of the Lord knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. I'm going to read that for you again. This is all aspects of our lives. When, when if, if a preacher ever looks at this sermon or looks at this particular passage of text and tries to only fit it within the four walls of the church for your service, shame on them because this is your entire life that this is talking about here. Your entire life 
the work that you're going to set out in tomorrow or the places that God's going to have you in the day after that. Therefore, verse 58, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast. And this is, he can say this, this therefore comes from the understanding that Christ is risen. The Son of God is alive today. And in this, with this understanding, he can say to us, be steadfast immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing, knowing, right? So in those moments when, when maybe our careers didn't end up like we'd hoped they would, right? Maybe it wasn't as good as we'd planned originally. When, when we're let down by that, we understand that. We understand that even in those moments where we feel like, was it, was it worth it at all? That in Christ, that in the Lord, he says, your labor is not in vain. For who and what purposes are we as individuals laboring? Because if we labor and toil solely for those things that we can achieve or attain under the sun vanity of vanities all is vanity yet if we find that our labor is in fact in the lord that we go to our workplaces and wherever it is that god has set us in this life and we do it with an eye towards christ for his glory for his fame for his kingdom then we will find that that even if we feel we have failed Utterly, that in the Lord our labor is not in vain. So we continue on in Ecclesiastes, down in verse 8, we see him say this, All things are of weariness, a man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. And, and I want us to consider here where we, where we consider probably a, a considerable portion of our lives is, sent, is spent trying to be happy or find pleasure in something. Am I correct? We oftentimes work for this goal. We work so that we can have things and those things we hope can make us happy. And what do we find? How, how, how many here, having gotten that thing that you'd, you'd strived after for so long, having reached it and held it in your hands, how many of you, was it not 15 days later, the new has worn off? Right? The new car smell is gone and you're left with the same feeling that you had before. Seeking out the next thing that will make you feel happy. Right? So, so one thing that we do, and one thing that I want us to, to, to get from this, is, is that he says, the eye is not satisfied with seeing. You can't see enough that's going to make you happy. He could see and do whatever he pleased, and at the end of the day, he still says vanity of vanity. So if you think that that new car or that new house or that new thing is going to make a lasting, meaningful impression on your life, you are fooling yourself. Do you hear me? 
nor ear filled with hearing. The idea is take it in with all your senses. See and do everything that this world could offer you and at the end of it you would still find yourself unhappy. Because this world cannot do for you what you are seeking. It cannot. He goes on in chapter 2 in verse 10 to explain this uh, even further. So Ecclesiastes 2 and 10. And whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure. For my heart found pleasure in all my toil. He's saying my heart found pleasure in everything that I did. And this was the reward of all my toil. Then I considered... All that my hands had done and the toll I had expended in doing it. And behold, all was vanity and striving after the wind. And there was nothing to be gained under the sun. Will we hear, will we hear and listen to someone who may have experienced the things already that we are seeking after in hope of fulfillment? Will we listen to the, If a man came to you, and you, you, each and every one of you, know your innermost desires for this life. If a man came to you and told you, I've experienced that. And let me give some wisdom to you. When you get there, you're still going to feel empty. Would you hear that man? Or would you think him a fool? What if you knew that he had in fact experienced those things? Would you listen to him? That's the question that, I'm, that I want to put out there. Like, will you hear what the Word of God has to say this morning? Lord, please open hearts to hear this truth. Please, I, Lord, I'm not going to beg any one of you because I know it's God who pierces the heart. So I beg God to pierce your hearts in this. Don't waste your life. Don't waste your lives only to end up at the end hands empty before the Creator. Don't waste your lives. It continues on in verse 11. There is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of latter things yet to be among those who come after. To get the point across for what he's trying to say here, I want to ask you, and we'll, we'll, start, we'll start with the easy one, and then we'll progress, and we'll see how fast the hands fall down. Who knows who their grandparents are? Could name their grandparents. Great-grandparents. If I were to point at you and be like, give me the names of every one of your great-grandparents, you could do it without question. Right? Look around. Look around. This is your grandparents, people. Y'all should be, or great-grandparents, y'all should be ashamed, man. Y'all don't remember them? Great-greats. Do we have any great-greats that you remember each and every one of their names? Some of them. Some of them. But y'all see where I'm going here. Great, great, great. And already, their kids, kids, kids can't remember their name. Should we be ashamed? Or should, we, should this shock us into reality? If your kids, kids, kids ain't going to remember you, who else do you think is going to remember you? Yet, yet we, we think making a name for ourselves is one of the most important things that we could do in this life. 
And we will orient. And, and when I say make a name from, I'm not saying you're trying to be like the next like superstar singer or or movie star, right? I'm just saying that like you want to look better among your friends than all your other friends, right? You want to be the most popular there, and you set your life, you set your paths, you set your desires fixed on that one thing: being the coolest among the cool kids. And every one of them will be forgotten. You will be forgotten. There will come a day where there will be, if this church stands long enough, where every face that I look out and see today will be gone. And their kids will be gone. And there may be a man preaching here then who never knew I existed. Same goes for you. That's the reality of what Solomon's writing here. There's no remembrance of former things. What if you were super famous though? What if you were like the richest man in the world? Can you rewind in your mind? Now, we may have some historians in here. So there may be a hand that gets raised. If you were to rewind 250 years of history, could any one of you tell me who the richest man in the world then was? The most wealthy you don't know. Really. So having literally everything this world has to offer us does not exempt us from this reality. You will be forgotten. All that you do will be forgotten. Again, the context of this is under the sun. Now here's the reality. This is a beautiful reality. This is a beautiful reality. Is that in Christ, the work that we put forward will not be forgotten by history. And I want to remind each and every one of you that from the moment Christ raised from the grave, there were men and women along the way preaching and sharing the gospel. And that is why you are here today. There is an, un- an unbroken chain of belief generation after generation after generation that is the reason you are sitting here today. That is the reason I am preaching to you today. Do you see how beautiful that is? When we strive after not our glory, not our fame, not for our name's sake, but for His. Not for our kingdom. We don't ask our kingdom come, but His kingdom come. And we work and labor after that end. We are the result of that. Do do y'all understand what I'm saying here? Do y'all get that had there been a generation or two who had just stopped preaching the gospel? Stopped sharing the... And it it can't happen because God's Spirit's moving in us. But let's just for the sake of argument, imagine that it had. That they just said, no, we're not going to do it this time. Where are we? We're not here. Reflect on that reality. Understand that the lives you live, if you're looking for significance, if you're looking for significance, 
my, my prayer is that when I step forward into glory, that I will run into people and that somebody will say, this was one who shared the gospel with this individual. That, changed, that shared the gospel with this individual. That shared the gospel with this individual. And I want to look back to all of those from Christ to me who were faithful by the power of God's Spirit to preach the gospel. And I want to go to each of them and say, thank you. You're not forgotten. In Christ, in Christ. Now, the world may forget us. He will not forget us. So if we seek to find fulfillment in our work, for work's sake, vanity of vanities. If we seek to fill our time solely with pleasure, for pleasure's sake, vanity of vanities. If we seek to make our name great, vanity of vanities. But in Him, we find our purpose for work. In Him, we find our highest pleasure. In Him, we find that it's His name that's raised up above all other names. So consider that as you lay out your plans for this year. And I say do that. Lay out plans for this year. Prayerfully seek what God would have you do. And I think it's a church as a body of believers, we should do the same. Lord, help us. Give us a vision for the community, for the world around us. Lord, let the world be different because of us. Use us to bring that next generation that will surely come. Right? Let's close out in prayer. Lord, thank You for this day. For your many wonderful blessings in life. How undeserving we are. How unworthy I am to stand here. Uh, Lord, but you, uh, as is evidenced through uh, using Solomon, a man who had everything and yet still found a way to waste his life. And, and you redeemed it. And you, you've placed these realities in this book, Lord, Lord, to show us you use broken individuals.